You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Lost around time on the Thursday at three. Yeah, that was pretty pretty slick. (laughs) That was slicker than I thought it would be. Welcome to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm Alon. I am Jimmy. Thanks so much for tuning in with us. Kind of like a a bouillon base of a show. Oh, a what? Bouillon base. What the hell is that? Something with food. Oh, wait. Is it like that? (laughs) Yo, I've seen that word. I'm not going to act like I know what it is, but I've eaten it. You know, I've never actually heard that word uttered. I've seen it written down because oh, really? on Paul's Boutique by Beastie Boys, that's the last track, that huge opus of a track with like it's a good five name. different it's a good parts. B Boy, but how how'd you pronounce it again? Bouillabaisse. Bays. So B Boy Bouillabaisse. I don't know if I'm like, if that's the most correct. I don't know. B Boy. I'm not an expert. B Boy Boubelaise. <laughs> so you got it terribly wrong. I know. I, I'll have to work on it. In the meantime, if you want to contribute to uh, my better pronunciations of French words, uh, please, and by that I mean actually just contributing to the show's financial uh-huh. stability, direct your browser to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash L-A-R and be a sponsor for our show. Yes, or you could sponsor the station in its entirety. Sponsor the station or donate to the station. Well, I guess the semantics well, here, right? I mean... If you want to donate to the station, yes, that is also an option. As a whole, Radio Free Brooklyn is community-driven radio. It is a community that, uh, with your kind donations, continues to thrive. And uh, you Be can driven. Go... Yes, exactly. <laughs> can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge. Yes. Again, this is a commercial-free radio, despite the fact that we will do fake commercials throughout the broadcast. Sure. They're... Not for real products. Not for real products. You can't buy any of the things that we sell. Don't buy them. But we They're sell. not real. We, we don't sell, but we do spread the good cheer. Spread that good cheer. Here, here, here. Let's get started. The world was a little different. Tom Brady was suspended due to Deflategate. The field of GOP candidates for president had not yet even reached full circus mode. And a New York-based social worker named Cheshire Shanker appeared on a virtually unknown podcast to talk about a tape from her childhood. 
Yes, during our days as a homegrown podcast, Cheshire provided our program with a tape that her parents recorded when Cheshire was only eight months old. Now she's back on the show because her world as well is a different place, and perspective is definitely needed. Welcome back, friend of Lost and Rewound, Cheshire Shanker. Oh, thanks, Alon. Welcome, welcome. From a virtually unknown podcast to a virtually unknown radio show. Yeah! <laughs> we <laughs> made it! <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so to clarify on that little uh, intro, the last two years, we, uh, we've we been in touch, obviously, the last two years, but quite a bit has changed, as I teased. And incidentally, the last time that I chatted with you, there were two other people in the room, not one. And they were not named Jimmy. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I was. Um, <laughs> That's true. I, I basically I pulled. You the came day. out I, of the closet. I pulled. The, I pulled no. the Dave. Chappelle. No, 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 no. no you no. were trapped in the closet for a while. I, I pulled the Dave Chappelle. I went to Africa. <laughs> oh, I see. I walked out on the twenty million, and then I regretted it immediately afterwards. That's so. Fair. I missed Aww. out on a lot of great shows and um, a lot of great stuff. That episode was our twentieth episode. That blows my mind that it was two years ago. Yeah, it, it was almost two, like years, two ago. years ago. Yeah, what exactly have you been up to? <laughs> well, I had it. I've had a new job during that time. Now that I think about it, because I started that new job in. I guess I had just started it during that podcast. Um, so I was. I've been working with dementia for the past two years, which is super intense. Um, yeah, it sounds demented. <laughs> Is that, is that a proper thing to say? <laughs> so, or is that like, oh, um, I'm just conjugating. I'm just conjugating. Totally. I imagine the, the politics totally. of the health professional world with <laughs> with uh, people in the geriatric world probably could be very demented in some respects. I just feel like there's not right many now. conditions that you can conjugate. Sure. I mean, if we want to be literal about it. <laughs> but uh i'm just like that... awkwardly skirting around this word plan, like not we're, even we're, gonna address we're, we're, it it's we're, okay we're gonna be awkwardly skirting around a lot of things <laughs> this hour your interest in social work brought you to the where you are now working with older patients and uh, yes. that has been a very positive experience from what i understand yes no i i absolutely have loved it um and the organization that i work for is is tremendous um but i of course uh recently had to resign which is very sad uh, because I'm making a move up to Boston. So did you play that song yet? No. What ship, ship it up to Boston? Oh, what? God, oh that gosh. song. Because I, I lived in Boston, and that song plays all the time there, so oh, get ready gross. to hear that song a lot. Wait, I don't understand. Who's that by? Uh, Dropkick Murphys, I want to okay. say. Ship it up to Boston. You know, it was in uh, Departed or whatever. It became the yeah. unofficial theme song of Boston after As that. As opposed to Love That Dirty Water? Um, da 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 Boston, you're my home. I, you know, Aww. you know what's funny actually. I don't know if you know this. I shot a film that was the title was loosely based on that song. I see. It was called That Dirty Water. Ah. It was uh, like the only thing where I was a cinematographer in my college career, and I never saw it, but it's out there somewhere. <laughs> it is out there in the ether. And if you are listening to the show and you know where this is, we want you to contribute. To the show. I know or, the guy. Or to, to Jimmy. I just, just have, so to, that he I just have to knock, have to knock a conversation with him about ready. <laughs> so you lived in Boston. So you went to school in Boston? I did. Lived yeah. there four years. Uh, okay. All around the town. All ja- around the town. Jamaica Plain, Alston, right. Brookline. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be living right near Tufts. Yeah. Oh, so Somerville. Yeah, Somerville. I lived there very shortly. That was the shortest. I lived there for a month. Okay. Just like a sublet situation? Yeah, it was one of those like, I'm in and then I'm out. <laughs> Sort of like, Wait, was that the beginning then, or in the, um, towards that the was end? in my that was the beginning of my sophomore year. What happened was 
I was dating a girl at the time, and she lived really close to campus or on campus, and I just stayed with her all the time. And I just had all my stuff at this place in Somerville, but it was like 20 minutes walk from the tea. <laughs> so I, it was like, it was getting a little colder and stuff. And I remember I was, no, I was it's Boston, so it was getting colder in September. <laughs> and I was Aww. just like, uh, and I was like, ah, you know, I'm just going to hang around her place a lot more. And my roommates thought I didn't exist because I had like almost never been there. You, so wait, you were, just, were you elusive back moved, then too? They moved somebody into the apartment. Oh my gosh. Because I had like, well, I had like, my stuff wasn't going to come for a couple of weeks. I was waiting to bring it up from New York. So I had like only put like sparing stuff and they like just put it outside the room when I came back one day. And there was <laughs> someone else in it. And I was like, fair enough. <laughs> so I didn't have a bed. You know, you didn't put a bed in. Do you really live there? These are what the humble beginnings of housing on, you know, situations when you're younger. I was 19. You know, what did I know? We knew very little. I don't even think I moved off campus until I was 21. Cheshire, what what made you move to Boston? Was was it the work first and then you got the job and then you're like, okay, well, this is happening? Or you wanted to be in Boston and find work there? It was actually, it was more just I wanted to be out of New York, um, which is sad to say. I, I don't know. I've, Sometimes I've you need to change. York. Exactly. Know. I need a change. Um, I've lived here for nine years, which it's not that long, but it's a time. Um, and I decided that I wanted to make a change. And Boston actually is one of the few places in this country where I know a few people. And that's that's pretty much it. Because it's a small city, the people mm-hmm. that like it really, really love it. Yeah. And it, it, I feel like there's a good scene. There's still people that I went to school with that live there. Yeah. And they it, really love it. And so. it seems like like outdoor stuff is accessible. There's some culture that's there. And, and you know, honestly, New York is still pretty accessible. Yeah, it's only like in. four hours away. Right, And right. there's definitely stuff happening in Boston. Right. It's not like New York. The thing about New York is there's so much happening that you kind of get inundated. You feel like you're wasting your time because you're missing <laughs> out on all the New York that's always happening. <laughs> Jimmy, if you could give Cheshire any advice about places to go in Boston or like just, I guess, any advice. Yeah, so I would say um, oh. if you're going to be <laughs> hanging out in mm-hmm. the town because Boston is, if you like to drink and you like to like go out at night, yeah, it's definitely fun. But there's a huge college scene, so you kind of have to right. tiptoe around like all those that. kids. I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. But the good thing is that the bars, though, they're not going to really be there. Because yeah. they really, really are sticklers when it comes to carding people, as New York isn't. Hmm. But, like, they really, you can't really sneak in. Or you can, you know, you do. But, <laughs> but it's harder. It's definitely, it's, like, more legwork. But what I was going to say is just drinking in town, meaning in Boston, yeah. is so expensive. It's New York prices. Okay. <laughs> and if you drink out in, like, Austin or any of the little surrounding towns, which are as far away as the boroughs. Right. Not even as far away as the boroughs. As far away as, like, uptown from downtown. Because right. Boston's so small. Everything is so cheap, like mm-hmm. dollar pints, five dollar pitchers, nachos. As far as I can see, I had a lot of nachos. <laughs> I love nachos, so that's music to my ears. And there's really good Thai food in Boston. Hmm. Um, I get really good dry Thai there. You know what I'm talking about? No Remember? dry Thai. Yeah, because nope. I've ever, never heard of this. Because like, there's different varieties of Thai, and I don't know what the real way to describe it is. But the classic Thai that almost everyone gets is what I would call wet Thai just like saucy fascinating but then there's also this dry tie where it's still got flavor and stuff but it's not 
you know, saucy, saucy, MSG <laughs> flavor. It's really, really good. Um, and I can actually. Yeah, Do, I can would they advertise it as such, like dry tie? No, I just had it. And no. I was like, this is just so dry and so good. <laughs> So um, you made up this term, and that's no, but why I mentioned I mentioned it to it. someone else, and they were like, "Oh yeah, dry tie, dude." You know, of course, no, I, bro. This sounds like something that is known in circles. It's not advertised, but not necessarily as uh, like like a secret menu per se. But uh, for those in the know, we call it this. <laughs> it's not advertised as that, but that's yeah, what it's exactly. known. Exactly. Yeah. It's a. I think it's just a. It's a colloquial. I want It's some. a colloquial thing that hipster people call it. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things about Boston. So a lot of it was the food. I mean, honestly, in the summertime, it's like it's such a beautiful town. Yeah. But I just love that when they have like hot dog carts, every hot dog cart has like Italian sausage and peppers. Like the same when you get at a street fair here, oh. like all the time. And instead of being <laughs> 10 bucks, it's five bucks. I used to eat those things like, like I would eat them like, like, like sausages. I don't know. There was trying to make, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to make some sort of analogy. It didn't work. Nope. But no one else in my college ever ate them. I was like huh. the sole guy. Just like. <laughs> No, because that's the way it. That's something for the real sausages. dude. That's a, that, that's a fantastic sound. <laughs> <laughs> I can make pig-like noises while I snort food. Um, <laughs> obviously, besides uh, what Jimmy was talking about in terms of food and drink, is there something that Boston is going to have that you're wondering about or that you're excited for that New York does not have? I think the the smallness of it is something that I'm really excited about. Just um, you know, I'm a big biker, and I feel like you can easily bike all of Boston. For also, sure. the the rowing culture there. You know, I'm a coxswain, and so I've been on a rowing team here in New York City. And it was fun, but it was also crazy inconvenient and just, I don't know, caused me so many, you know, nights of three hours of sleep and, and craziness. Wait, you mean like me, like doing the show and recording the show? And editing the show <laughs> except with more physical ex- uh, exertion, you know probably, what's, in what's your really case. funny is that now that you mention that, uh-huh. I saw like so many crew teams in Boston. Like yeah, in the man, summertime, it's, like, it's, it's a real no, It's a college yeah, town. Yeah, it's a college town. So... There would be all these college things like that. Ithaca but man, had a it real, like, yeah. Ithaca had a really strong female crew. We went to Connecticut College. Did yes. you ever have any interest, or was there that outlet to be on a crew team? Oh in- yeah, yeah. That's that's where I really started doing it. I did it for a year in high school, but then did it all four years of college. Awesome, loved it. Um, but I'm I'm a coxswain, not a rower, so I don't actually do anything. What physical. is a coxswain? Um, a coxswain is the person who kind of sits in either the front or the back of the boat, depending on what type of a boat it is. And you're on a microphone, Telling and you what steer to do. the boat, and you also kind of keep everybody doing the same thing. Because um, it's really hard. You really have to have every person needs to be moving in exactly the same way to get the boat to go the fastest. So it sounds cool. Uh, sounds yeah, exciting. you're like the coach on the water. Yeah, what drew? Is it that why it was you were so drawn to it being a coach I think, to the team? I, yeah, I mean, I definitely like that aspect of it. I just like the team aspect too. I think I'm someone who, growing up, I was kind of a band geek and not really an athlete, but I always wanted to be a member of a team. And so, you know, this is I don't know, kind of the intellectual equivalent of a towel boy, I guess. Right? I can do it without having to be a super athlete. Said so you were a band geek. I was a band geek. Yeah, I grew up. I played the violin and the trumpet. You know, both I would, of them. I would come to school carrying both instruments, glasses, braces. It was pretty frightening. And you sing. You're a triple threat, girl. I don't sing. Yeah. Well, we met through karaoke. <laughs> we listener. met through karaoke. That that does not count as singing, but that's very kind of you. What would be like the really gangster instrument for a kid to have? You know, I know drums is cool, but then you just carry cool. the sticks with you and right. stuff. You know, you're not carrying the instrument. 
Um, like the, I mean, again, like guitar. I mean, there are like but... sexy band geeks, but you're still a band geek. Like, for yeah. example, if you play like the saxophone, you might be a little or not. I don't know. But it's sexier than the clarinet. Yeah, it's definitely sexier. <laughs> <laughs> what what came first? Well, the saxophones actually, I would say, is pretty badass. Yeah, to some respect, it yeah. depends on what what if it's alto or soprano sax, I guess. Yeah, right. it's, it's just one of those sax. things that, like, you, like you say, if you're a kid and you're coming with a brass instrument, it's just not. You're just it's you're just not that cool, right? Well, let me ask you, what did you pick up first? The violin. And what I, made you pick up the violin first? I loved it. When I was a kid, in when I was like a really little kid, when my parents still lived in Brooklyn, they actually brought me to the Brooklyn Academy of Music, and I would just watch people playing the violin, and I loved it. I was always fascinated by it. And they actually didn't let me play it at first because they didn't have a violin and they didn't have a lot of money. Um, and so they had a keyboard, so I had to learn how to play that first. And if I, they, I made a deal with them that if I took lessons and played that for a year, they would then let me take violin lessons. And they figured that by the end of that year, I would just lose interest in the violin and want to play the piano. What is the most low-end violin cost? Entry-level I have, violin. I have no My clue. My sister played it all throughout her childhood. I sincerely don't know either. I'm Because it's serious, it, serious loot. Oh, yeah, for it's sure. It's money, but we actually... Especially fixing them up, yeah. Right. Because there, So there's a full-size violin, but when you're a kid, that's too big for you. So there are different sizes. So you start on like a half or a th- like a three-quarter. There are all sorts of different sizes. And so you rent that first. So if you're like The Rock... You just got to start with a viola. <laughs> you just got to rock with a viola because it's too big. It's, you're it's just, just not, too It's massive. just not going to happen. Could you even imagine a bodybuilder like that holding a delicate instrument? Um, sure. I could imagine it, and it sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, 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 beautiful music. Did you continue playing <laughs> instruments into college, or did you focus more on studies and the coxswain? Yeah, I, I stopped playing because I really I got to the point with both instruments where – I was I was good, but I wasn't great. And in order to be great, you have to practice for hours every day. And I was like, all right, well, what's what's the end goal here? Um, I knew I wasn't good enough to be one of those people who travels around the world and plays. Um, I could have been in an orchestra, right? But is that what I wanted to do for my life? And I kind of decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that decision now, but but I guess hey, you know, hindsight. Yeah, right. You, um, you mentioned that you had been living in Brooklyn, and when did you leave Brooklyn? When I was three. And or three you, or four. And you moved to Indianapolis. Yes, moved to Indiana. And actually, I first moved to Bloomington, Indiana, okay. and then later to Indianapolis. Um, Much difference between either one of those towns from what you can remember yeah, at such well, a young age? N- yeah, Indianapolis is a is more of a city. I think counting the <laughs> suburbs. I, I like s- that. That's a perfect. That's a that's a perfect description for Indianapolis. It's more of a city. More of well, a city. Yeah. Last time you were on the show, I remember you were chatting about how uh, significant Indianapolis is. It is in the exact geographical center of the state. You and have a great memory. That's awesome. He, yes. has, he does, he does. I may have researched <laughs> a little bit before this episode. <laughs> well, that's the key to a good memory well, that's is true. research. <laughs> Faking it. There, there, <laughs> there is, you know, speaking to a professional like Cheshire, oh, uh, there is certainly good reason to be researching for an episode like this. Um, we will be uh, later uncovering a little bit of the old clip that you had provided to us last time as a sort of a retrospective of a retrospective um but getting back to your parents um they were originally living in new york yes they were poor artists in new york who decided they wanted something better for their lives and so went to law school in bloomington indiana 
Um, and they chose that just because it is so cheap to live there. My God. Uh, um. Yeah, because if you've been to Indiana, <laughs> there's a reason. Yeah, that too. <laughs> there's, um, there's a reason there's not many people out there. And the deal is um, corn. A lot of corn. Soybeans, too. Yes, soy. Mm-hmm. What up with that soy? soy? What up with that? How at your soy? How at your soy? Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. I was just hoping that would that would continue. <laughs> if, if you want me to heighten it, I will heighten it. We should do that for like 15 minutes. Just soy. Just really bad, like... Fucking with that soy. <laughs> Yo, you soy boy. <laughs> Come on, It's just soy. <laughs> Hover. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I don't know why there's certain things that just make me die, but I'll probably be laughing about that a week from now. I'll be like, oh, it's just soy. X to the Z exhibit, just soy. Cheshire, um, when you, <laughs> w- when, when you uh, moved out of Indiana, did you ever have intentions of going back or were you so thrilled to get out of there? <laughs> no, I wasn't thrilled to get out of there. I thought about when I was thinking about where to move, I thought about Indianapolis. Um, really? I Going, did. Bring I, it all back full circle. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought hard about it. I even applied to jobs. So it wasn't just a wow. casual thought. That's, that's, that's a thought. That's, yeah. a, that's a real thought right it was, there. It was a real thought. But the truth is there's not that much, um, you know, because I'm a social worker. So you need funding for social services. Well, that's kind of the reason not many people move out to the burbs now. Yeah. The reason people always move to cities is they're looking for work. Right. So, you know, the town, we got, we, every, every position's been filled for the last 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And when someone dies, we'll give you a call. Like, that's basically the deal. Do you see yourself later down the line, maybe when you start a family, moving to a more, um, you know, smaller location? Like, like, not like Indianapolis per se, or even a Bloomington, but just a general something even smaller than Boston. I have no idea. I have to see how Boston feels, right? I mean, I I definitely, I was a nanny in New York City, and that experience made me never want to think about having a family here. <laughs> I am in that camp as well. Fair yeah. enough. I feel like I want to have my kid and raise him in Times Square. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'll tell you, actually, and this is just uh, to throw it out there and for food for thought for the future, because you'll, you'll probably the same way remember this wonderful experience at the show. But um, I had a friend of mine who loved Boston, lived there for a few years after we graduated, Mm -hmm. and then ended up going to college in Pittsburgh, which is a city very similar to Boston, Mm. and then really ended up loving Pittsburgh and and settling down there. Hmm. So that's just another thing. If you end up liking small cities, but you say, you know, maybe I just can't do the weather or whatever it happens to be. Right. But um, I've never been to Pittsburgh. Neither have I, but I only hear nice things and I want to go out and visit now. Yeah, no, Pittsburgh is one of those cities that I, I hear great things about. I've only been to Philadelphia. In Philly, of... I really like Philly, honestly. Yeah. I like Philly, too. We've actually, we did a bunch of regattas there last summer, and it was gorgeous. Oh, what? Down by the river. That's the rowing competitions. They're regattas. called regattas. Yeah. So it how... sounds like a sonata. Like yeah. A... <laughs> regattas. <laughs> opera. It's a cool word. I always liked it. But yeah. I, want, I was wondering, because I like cool words, how do you spell coxswain? C-O-X-S-W-A-I-N. It's Coxswain. Coxswain. Oh, yeah. Okay. Coxswain. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've definitely seen that before. I've mm-hmm. read it. 
and been like, who is this coxswain? You know, because it's always in like some sort of old time. Exactly. You said you envisioned yourself trying to keep that going when you get to Boston, for sure. Yeah, as long as it kind of is logistically feasible with my work. That was that was the problem for the longest time here, that it didn't make any sense. And it honestly, this past year, it didn't make any sense. But I had a car, and I was kind of desperate enough, and, and so I decided to do it. Boston is just an athletic town. Everybody there is into athletics. Yeah. Just everybody <laughs> loves sports. Like, in the summertime, everybody's out doing something active. It's a very active city. Good environment to be around, and you could be sharing your interests uh, without having to necessarily seek it out because it'll kind of seek you out, really, just naturally. <coughs> Did you have any other, like, concerns or questions about Boston Right, we have a Boston expert here. That we I do can... have a Boston expert here. Before we go to break, I figure... He's only an expert on two cities, but <laughs> we got one of them right here. I'm trying to think. So I'm moving there, like, to, uh, tomorrow. Oh, yeah, so where where are you moving? You're moving there this week. By the time we hear this show, you will be basically on the road. Yeah, so tomorrow, tomorrow morning, early, early, I'm moving up there. But just in terms of, I don't know if there are any festivals or anything that i should really try to hit up when i'm there um, um well uh, the the common is the big park that's in okay. the middle of town um that's where they have most of the uh, outdoor festivals mm-hmm. there is actually a really hilarious festival i want to say for 420 on that's a big concert and they have this big you know cloud over the park 420 hmm. yeah i think hitler's birthday or something like okay that. i was wondering it, what uh, that is it? was possibly it is. and his death day is the 30th you know, just history lesson for you there. <laughs> there will be a many a good case study, I'm sure, on that yeah. day. And then there's um, they also have like they end up having big concerts also sometimes at the government center, which is this really big building that makes you look like some Judge Dread, very okay. strange building. Oh yeah, one thing that that you make you laugh and cry at the same time for humanity. Mm. My college that I attended, uh, Emerson, uh, every summer in the common. There's so there's two parks in downtown. There's the common, and then there's the gardens, the public gardens. Okay. Public gardens is more like a uh, really small botanical garden that's got, like, trees and little ponds and stuff like that. And the common is more like a small central park, but still a decently sized park. It's, like, mm. seven blocks long or eight blocks long. In the summertime, they play, uh, and I don't know if I got the pronunciation correct, Kidditch? Quidditch, Quidditch. from Harry Quidditch. Potter. Quidditch, yikes. Quidditch, Snidditch. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, yikes is right. They play in leagues. Um, with teams, with uniforms, and they run around playing this, I don't know, some sport, uh-huh. where they, like, literally, they just have to, like, hold a, <laughs> a broom the between time. their legs as they're, like, running around. It's really embarrassing. Um, but this is uh, my legacy. This is the school. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah. But you can see that, and it's just, again, it's something that's uh, it's really, I used to go in, in the summertime, and I just, like, sit out there, and I go, I can't believe this is reality. <laughs> Probably be more entertaining than the 420 event. Yes. If there's one thing more entertaining than being around a bunch of stoners, it's being around a lot of Potter Potterphiliacs. Potterphiliacs? Potterphiliacs? I've never heard uh, that term. Potter, Potterheads. Potterheads? <laughs> I don't know what you would call them. I, I don't know either. My wife's so much better at this. J.K. Rowl, Rowl, Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any cute name for him. I don't think. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. No, no. Not, 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 <laughs> there's only so much that we can do without the power of the internet, as long as they're not in our brains yet. Um, um, yeah, but I wish, I wish I could think of something off the top of my head uh, as far as like 
big Boston-y events. I mean, St. Patrick's Day is oh. an absolute nightmare. I was really glad to the miss Boston that, Marathon is a really the Boston event. Marathon is really cool. Yeah, Boston Marathon is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. but you get to see the like the leader going by. It went by my apartment one time. It was very cool with like a little car and stuff filming them. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a fun town. Yeah. I, I honestly have very fond memories, despite the fact that I was surrounded by this image that I despise constantly. Which is? The Boston Red Sox. Oh, God. I had to see it yeah. all the time, and I still love the town. Nothing nice to say about it. I wrote nothing but nice things to say about it. Other than... Yeah. No, <laughs> my, 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 my buddy Dan Tobias went to the School Museum of Fine Arts. He is a diehard Yankees fan as well. And I give it up to any diehard Yankees fans who uh, endure four years, five years in some respects, uh, of undergrad in uh, on the enemy's territory, basically. It was rough. I, I mean, I still remember that I was... Living on Boylston Street, it's literally like right in the heart of Boston, in 2007, and the Red Sox victory parade came right in front of my dorm, and I walked out of the dorm, and I look up, and I see Kevin Euclid and Big Bobby, David Ortiz, <laughs> and I gestured, and then I yelled something, and I went back into the building quickly, because I assumed... That I'd probably hit with a hell of fists. So I was like, yeah. I'm gonna just mm-hmm. get, you know what? I gotta stop reacting. Like a good New Yorker in Boston, <laughs> you retreated immediately. Uh, yeah, I thought the better of it. Yeah, it was crushing. It was soul crushing. <laughs> soul crushing moment. Let's, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we have to dive into a redive into the world of Cheshire Shanker here on Lost and Rewound. Radio Free Brooklyn. So again, to reiterate, the episode we are listening to right now of Lost and Rebound is featuring our past guest and continued friend of the show, Cheshire Shanker, who, by the way, you may have heard on some many episodes ago on an intro saying, you're going to have me back, right? You're going to have me back. (laughs) Yeah, that was me. Mm -hmm. We kept our promise. You did. We do. We have uh, repeating guest stars. And we're hoping that none are as quite as successful as Steve Urkel and steal the show from us. That's the key. Yeah. This, 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 That's that. the key. I don't wanna I don't wanna be Reginald Bell Johnson just there angry with a mustache. You know? <laughs> this, this. I see it though. <laughs> <laughs> that could be my future. You, you, I do understand. You look so much better with a mustache than I do. Oh my god. There's no oh. way I'll ever do a mustache again unless I happen to do another uh, Armand Goldman from the birdcage. For sure. <laughs> it's funny because I was Amazing. thinking yeah. I was thinking about Two years going in a back. Row. <laughs> I was thinking about going back to the mustache, but then I was like, you know, I also like dating women, so it's a tough, it's it's, <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. Two years ago when Cheshire was on the show, or a little less than two years ago when Cheshire was on our podcast iteration, uh, Cheshire, you brought in a tape that you had managed to uncover from your mother's collection dating back to your birth, effectively, your birth year. Um, so the year was 1985. Your parents had went to a psychic, went to a, an astrologer, 
and there's a good reason to play only a little bit of it. I don't want. <laughs> I, I I would like to let the listener listen to that whole episode uh, of which is you know our typical ninety minutes as it used to be. But for the first hour of that episode, we go deep in with this entire tape and listen to it all and unravel so many mysteries and (laughs) uncover so many truths. So in the interest of time with a 60 minute broadcast slash podcast for Radio Free Brooklyn, we wanted to touch on just a little bit of it. You give people a little bit of a taste of what that tape was like. Jimmy hasn't heard any of this. Hmm. So it's even better that it will fall on some fresh ears. And I did have a few clips queued up. So let's take a listen to this first one now. She will aggressively go after the things that she values. And there's a lot of aggression in this chart anyway. And this kind of takes that aggression down to earth and says, wait a minute, you know, I, my dreams are wonderful. But if I really want to do something, I have to deal with the physical world. And I have to compromise. And I have to wait. And I have to be patient. And that's, that's a very, going to be terribly difficult for her patients. But this Mars and Taurus will help her out very much. Um, I think she'll have good experiences with men, very good experiences with men. And men will come into her life who will be very helpful toward her and help her to achieve the things that she wants to achieve. On the other hand, she will have such an attitude towards authority <laughs> that you know she'll always be juggling that. Authority is going to be a, a major problem for her um, because authority will feel like something that restricts her. Problems with authority. This was a theme. Apparently. So, uh, do you like to uh, listen to like NWA and stuff like that? <laughs> she likes to bump fuck the police <laughs> or fight the power in her spare time. I was just describing about how I was a huge band nerd. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> um, you know, you could have been on the side just like spitting out beats over that. Violin. Violin. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even. I, I am intrigued at being someone who is timid around authority. Do you still feel like that is the case? When at the time you, you sort of disagreed with that, and would you still say that that is still the case? As you've come up in the world of social work, you scale back a little bit or you double down? I'm stubborn, and I think that, you know, when, when I know I'm right, I can fight pretty hard for, for things. But at the same time, generally speaking, you know, if I see a, a police officer, I'm not going to confront them. I, I, I would I, I don't know. <laughs> hey, yo, hey, yo. <laughs> what you know about me? Shashashenka. It's just so <laughs> <laughs> I would, love, I, I would love to see that. <laughs> so, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I don't know. It's, but don't when know. you were a kid, for instance, and um, if, you could, if the teacher, you know, gave you some sort of prompt, were you likely to do things as asked and as advertised, or would you slip by as long as, you know, think- as long as you didn't get caught? Right, right. I think generally I was a pretty, pretty good kid. Mm. Um, you know, I think all kids can be pains in the asses sometimes. I was just remembering I was once with my grandmother, and my grandmother wanted to buy a necklace for me, um, but it was really ugly. And so I kept telling her not to buy it for me, not to buy it, and she really wanted to. And then finally I said to her, you know what, Grandma, you can buy that for me, but I'm never going to wear it because it's ugly. 
Wow. Okay, so, that's a little brutal. That's right? A little brutal. So, so maybe I do have part of that aspect in my personality, but not so much in terms of, you know, if a teacher tells me to do an assignment, I'm going to do it. Yeah, because I'll tell you the same way. I would never, ever say that. <laughs> like never ever, yeah. but at the same time, all right, you're better than me. I I, I skated by. I you know I skated by any time that the teacher you know there was any way to fool. You me. wanted to I be on the teacher's down. good side immediately. Well, of course, but I was down to lie to get there, <laughs> and I did frequently, <laughs> and it didn't work in college. I, I figured that out quick. Aww. And I remember that there was a teacher in college, and he came to me and he goes, "All those tricks you pulled in high school, you can't pull here." Oh. And I was just like, "Oh, word!" <laughs> like. Thanks for the life lesson, son. I appreciate it. There, there is something in that clip that uh, pits the relationship that you have with authority versus the relationship that you have overall with men. Is that something that you feel comfortable talking about right now uh, in regards to how your relationship with men has uh, kind of evolved over the years um, up until now, I guess? Sure. And I, I said no, no topic is to... Uh... What's the word? Is off limits. So let's let's go for it. I lost for a round exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a contentious life. relationship with men? Contentious relationship or what tense? Does that mean? Tense. tense. A tense relationship. I don't think so. I mean, I'm single, so maybe. Do men consider you a man eater? <laughs> <laughs> I may have gone through a phase where I was a little bit of a man eater. Okay, maybe. so when they so when the beginning of James Bond films, when they play that song, <laughs> is that song about you? <laughs> maybe it has been. I okay. don't think it always is. This is a, this is becoming a running theme. Remember we are one of our past guests, uh, Joy, was talking about her, her man eater days. Yeah. yeah. About like, you know, terrible, terrible It might past. also be a New York thing. Let's let's be real. Dating here is intense in a way that it's not in other places. I, this I, is would, true. Have yeah. I would have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> We're all in agreement there. Would you say that you have acted on desires in the past, uh, rushing into things? I believe the astrologer had mentioned something about that on this tape. Yeah, and you know it's actually this is it's interesting that we're even talking about this because I recently re-listened to that whole tape with my roommate who is also kind of a amateur astrologist and she was talking about looking at my chart and thinking about kind of how aggressive I am in relationships and I think it's true. I think I am. I think when I want something I I sometimes maybe push a little too hard. Yeah, with guys like that. <laughs> sometimes and sometimes they don't. Fair enough. One of the quotes she had was, when you're with a great partner, they motivate you to be your best. Isn't that always true, though? That's I feel like that's one of those fortune cookie general statements, right? You would hope. You, do you right? Do, but do you do better single or do you do better in a relationship? I like and being in a relationship. That drives you to your fuller potential? I think more I'm full just potential? generally happier. And so, yeah, and so just able to get get more shit done, definitely. Mm-hmm. There's also notes that she said that you needed to be free. You have lots of willpower, independent. Uh, and those relate to that of which you said with the motivating to be your best. Right. And that is and that is so true, sometimes to my own detriment. I uh, Today, because I am moving tomorrow, I picked up my U-Haul that I'm going to be driving with my car towed on the back of it. And it is so scary to drive a big truck with a car, like, just hanging off the back of it. I've um, never done that. That is scary. Yeah. Through the New York City, like, the tiny two-way streets that people are parked on both sides, and it really careful. should be one yeah, way. Careful. 
oh yeah oh yeah and I was like why the heck am I doing this all by myself but I am I'm very willful I do things like that usually it works out but uh definitely sometimes to my detriment one question I was wondering about because you said your roommate is this your older new roommate was a uh amateur astrologer this is my current roommate who i guess as of tomorrow will will no longer yes. be my roommate so when you're an amateur astrologer <laughs> what is that i mean doesn't mean you're still like channeling the magics so she loves astrology she's done a lot of like study and she actually she doesn't do western astrology she does eastern astrology and do not ask me the difference sounds more believable is than one I. <laughs> <laughs> I always just believe i'm more i'm more down to believe it it's ancient, you know, ancient, you know, Eastern medicine. I'm like, it works. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's definitely uh, It's got to be the good stuff. She has done it for money, so maybe that puts her into the professional realm. But she generally will do it for friends. It's just one of her hobbies that she's very interested in. And she'll just, like, tell me about the planets. She told me that, for instance, right now is, like, a really tumultuous time. And I really shouldn't try to start dating until after the 15th of April, just generally yeah. speaking. Do you get touched by the other side of the magical plane of realm and then they, you feel the touch and then you're well, called into the... <laughs> yeah, well, I, what I think would be really funny is, is if there were you had two friends who were amateur astrologers who were like that <laughs> and then they're like touching you from two different places. And they're telling you, they're telling you two different things. Yeah, can't say that it's very common that I could be friends that much with two um, amateur astrologers or one amateur and one professional. Which one am I, <laughs> who am I taking the advice from? I, I don't just, understand. I'm supposed to listen to the stars. People ask my advice a lot because I have a deep voice. Because you have such a, awesome. you have such a stage like yeah, to me. So and my presence also is calming because I'm always like just like hanging out, relaxed, you know. And I think it's it's what they call the um, the giving zero fucks personality. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, oh, he's very wise. Um, the zero fucks approach. Yeah, but I'm not. Let's let's take a listen to another clip on that note. And I think the best thing you all can do for her is is just. Let her know that, that what she is is wonderful, but other people are different. And sometimes they're not accepting of people who give them the truth. You see what I mean? If you go up and tell somebody that this is wrong, they may be invested in that wrong thing. It may have set them terribly, you know, that, and she's not going to see that because she's going to think everybody just really wants to know what the truth is. Truth is the most important thing. And... Uh, I think if, if you could somehow get it across to her that the world isn't like that. A lot of people are really invested in not the truth happening. And that's a horrible thing. It's a terrible, horrible thing, but it, it is. And she doesn't have to accept it, but she does have to live with it. Like all of us, right? Boy, what a prescient comment to make in any capacity. That that doesn't even necessarily need to be correlating to a person. That that's just I think life in general. She basically uh, was able to predict twenty seventeen in some or twenty or twenty sixteen in some respects. This is what they do. They got magic, man. Magic hands. I used to not believe, but now I'm a believer. <laughs> I, they're chosen. What is your opinion on the state of the world? Cheshire. Oh my god. In in two words. <laughs> Bullshit. No. <laughs> no. I will tell you the truth. I don't know. You're a truth teller. I I am a truth teller. That's that is real. I'm not great at uh at sugarcoating things. Sometimes I just blurt out with it. There is a quote that she said uh, about you, which is really quite captivating. She said, as if you were saying this, I've got to change the world. But wait, the world isn't going to do what I want it to do. 
yeah. you're dealing with a lot of stupid people who who are afraid of the truth. And you work in an industry where you're trying to help people go on the right path. That's definitely true. And it's, you know, there are a lot of people who really are trying to change the world in my industry. I'm not really one of them. I would like to change the world. I'm more in the camp that I'm very, as, as many people are, that I'm very overwhelmed at all of the changes that need to happen. So when you hear with that Eric Clapton song, it doesn't really resonate with you? <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> Where do I start? Oh, Clapton. <laughs> Such big dreams. <laughs> you came from an educational education. You came from. You I was came, a teacher. You were a teacher. <laughs> Thank you. We're not going to edit that out. You came from education. You came from education in the world of education. <laughs> Teaching is what you did. I was a teacher. As a teacher. So you floated down like Mary Poppins from education land. Yes. <laughs> With that umbrella of which all of these words come from. No, 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 They're no, underneath no. the umbrella. You were doing that for a very short period of time, though, right? Two years. Yeah. And you, did you teach the same grade the whole time? Or? No, I, I taught first and third grade, so the babies. Mm-hmm. That is a very important time for children to be you know, taught ways of how to be presentable in the world. I know that when I was six, I couldn't expect to be singing in the bathroom and walk out and Aww. have everybody not pay attention to me. just... <laughs> 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 Aww, <laughs> the way you put that too, I was like, I was like, where's he gonna and, go and, with this? And in third grade, and in third grade, you can't name different kinds of things that you could read, and then you say Playboy, and not expect for there to be a, a immense amounts of laughter. Whoa, whoa, bro, that was that yeah. was that your little kid joke, dude? Because that's a pretty good one. I, I have, I can go on for days. I mean, we're, we're, this is not about me. This is about Cheshire. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about me. I'm loving it's, this, though. Coming back from the bathroom and needing attention. <laughs> That's what happened. I think I mentioned this on the show. I was singing in the bathroom, and the bathroom was connected. But it was connected within the classroom. Okay. I was singing, like, some Saturday morning cartoon song, and I walked out. Everybody was just laughing their asses off, as little six-year-olds are wont to do Aww. when a kid is embarrassing themselves in front of them. I mean, I didn't pee in my pants, but I <laughs> might as well have, you know, and it probably would have gotten a much better reaction. See, it's, it's so ridiculous, the things that kids tease each other about, because that's just adorable, What's right? the worst thing that you saw in your experience as a teacher, or worst thing? I, that's subjective. What's the m- most telling I event mean, that occurred to you from your students? I see, we're talking about all these, like, sweet stories. I worked in the New York City public school system, so there, I saw some... Some messed up stuff. The, like, the realness, son. Right. But I had a kid for, stole about the, from me. The real like, world. A kid stole from you? Yeah, first grader. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Um, and, and I actually had one kid. This is the most messed up situation. It's terrible to say this about a first grader, but I'm fairly sure this kid is going to end up in jail. He dismantled a pencil sharpener and then threatened a kid in the bathroom with a razor blade from what? it. What? And this is a first grader. Like, it's just, there was a terrible home life. Yeah, you know what you call that kid? <laughs> Sir. <laughs> did, uh, Jimmy, did that ever occur to you when you were in first grade, some kind of unspeakable violence or right, threatening? Right, you grew up here. Uh, yeah. I want to say that the first time that we were thinking about weapons was third grade. Um, <laughs> so, it, so it just got <laughs> earlier. It just More got yeah. younger. Yeah, I yeah, mean, you I know. definitely remember brawling out with kids in first grade and i still have a memory of bloody in this kid when i was six. Oh gosh but he started it 
and I, and I finished it. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was bad. It was actually, uh, it was a racial war. So I'm not going to talk about race wars right now, but it was race war. Understandable. <laughs> but it's still, I mean, these are unfortunately typical events that occur in, I guess, the New York City school system that really should not be typical. But again, right, well. it, it's one of those bumps that you have to take, I suppose. I mean, there are a lot of things that could be done to make it differently. Absolutely. No, that's the whole issue of race. Our schools are ridiculously segregated, generally speaking. It's real messed up. Oh, yeah. Well, they did do one thing when I was in school to quell violence. Mm. They made it so the windows wouldn't open up more than like six inches. Aw. I know. That's that's so sweet. (laughs) Is that for the students or the teachers? Mm. Um, Well, I do remember while I was at school, there were some kids in my school that chucked a desk out the window. Oh, my God. Um, and luckily no one was hit. And then not at my school, but there was another school. And I remember we all heard about this. This is the reason they did it. They chucked a kid out the window. Right. So that was why they were like, okay, we're going to change these windows. <laughs> and then the same way they changed the bus windows when I was riding the cheese bus when I was a kid too. And that was because of us. Every day after school, I don't know how, these kids, they meant we just loved, we'd had a little rivalry with these kids in this corner. And they would just throw stuff out of the bus every single Friday. No, it was, it was just every Friday. It was maybe more than that. But every time, and they would be throwing stuff out. There was a name <laughs> we called them because the, the first time they threw stuff at us, we were really surprised what they had thrown. Huh. It was, it was maybe marshmallows or something like that. They were like the marshmallow gang after that. <laughs> <It was> something <laughs> weird. <laughs> it was something funny, yeah. But we, like, we were really excited about it. We used to like save up things to throw back at them. I love that you're talking about the bus. I dated this one guy here for a long time, but he grew up here. And the way he talked about his bus that he took on his way to like you know middle school, elementary school, et cetera, that was his happy place. Like that was some of the best times of his life was on that school bus. Well, I still remember the challenge that I had when me and my friend were in third grade Mm. and we were like, we're going to be the number one guys on the bus and we're going to run the bus. And we fought the kid that that ran the bus. And my buddy took it way too far. (laughs) (laughs) And then he never, ever came back. Yeah. And uh, and he was two years older than us. and He was way bigger than we were. And after that, we ran it. And we were like eight. <laughs> Same way it was like. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was violent when I was a kid. It was. People wonder. They go, was it violent when you were little? I was like, like yeah. yeah, it yeah. was. It stopped being violent when I was a teenager. Huh. When I was 14, people kind of chilled out. You know? That was Giuliani, right? And it was. 9-11 happened and then everybody chilled Well, out. that's. I guess for what it may be worth, that was at least some ability to knock some sense or have sense knocked into right. somebody. Well, I think it also like drew New York City together as a community. Definitely. Well, mm-hmm. I tell people now, you go down to the hood and you still see all the gangsters, but they're just standing there chilling. They're not going to do anything. They're just like retired. It's like <laughs> it's like when you went to the Old West, like post-Civil War, and all the gunslingers just had hung up their gun belts and they were there still and they were like at the bottom of a bottle. Like, ah, oh, back in the day, I would have smoked you. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm just going to sit here and drink this fresh coffee I got from Colombia. <laughs> Surrounded by hipsters. I hate you. There is uh, one more clip I wanted to play. And it's not actually one from the tape itself, but from oh. the episode. I think it's something that Jimmy would really like to hear. <laughs> oh, well then. <laughs> Well, then, indeed. <laughs> I remember once, um, actually, when I was teaching in Brooklyn, uh, he came and visited, and I had him come into my classroom. And this was my first year of teaching. And my first year of teaching, I really, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't the best. I'm not going to lie. I, I yelled a lot. I yelled at my students to get them to pay attention, and that was that was part of my classroom management. It got better as time went on, but I was definitely still in that yelling a lot to get attention um, in my classroom. And my dad, this very soft-spoken man, when he came in, 
so I had my students kind of gather on, you know, the, the reading rug to, to mm-hmm. listen to him. And, and he just comes in with his soft voice and they all quieted down to hear what he had to say. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, that works too. And it really taught me something and it, it, uh, it, it stays with me today. Cheshire talking about her father. That was a real life lesson that has for sure taken its influence to you as you advance professionally. Absolutely. And it, yeah, it's so true. It's still something I, I think about. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's something you use in all aspects of life because uh, ever since I began performing, doing radio and stand up and mm-hmm. stuff, I began to be a lot more calculated with what I'm saying and when I'm saying it. And it makes my speech a lot more powerful because. You can have people, and just the fact I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> where, where did you guys? I guys are saying the fact. Did you guys realize how you were hanging on every every word? word. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a lot of power in the silences and the pauses. Yeah, there, re- there really is, and yeah. I've, been, I've been using them a lot more. But that's the thing is that I use them in performance, yeah. and they do improve my performance a lot. And I started using it just in speech. And yeah, all of a sudden people are like, dude, this guy is the man. Hmm. He just, again, another reason why people think I'm so wise because I'm really just good at talking. So they go, well, he's just, he, he sounds like he really knows what he's talking about. I go, no, I just really know how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I just know how to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Being an innovator in so much this is that the information that you give is not what is the most important. It's how you, you present it. I think, I think being an innovator, the key to innovation is confidence in whatever you're doing and the fact that it's different in some way intrinsically. Mm-hmm. But the confidence in, in it is what pushes people to get on board with it or to see it as a change you're not behind what you're doing then you know, yeah no one's gonna even notice it's amazing thinking about how confidence and charisma does factor into things oh yeah it's everything honestly right right but you know thinking about people who might have great ideas but maybe don't have those presentation skills and and then are overlooked oh yeah i think it's one of those things where there it's so many times in your life you'll have an opportunity to mm. get ahead and all you really needed to do was like ask for it right. or push for it. And the fear you had was caused by, you know, a lack of confidence almost in every instance. It's just like, oh, I don't I don't think I'm good enough or I don't think I'm gonna get it. And it's just knowing that you will. Yeah. That having that that confidence and that belief, that's the key that that's what every empowerment seminar is about. Right. You know, they're just like once you really believe that you're going to be successful, you will be. It's the nature of yeah. mind over matter and stuff like that. Do you see yourself as somebody who would enjoy public speaking or is it something that you do enjoy to do? I do. I, um, as part of my current job, I give kind of educational seminars on dementia and that's my favorite part of the job. I love it. We hate it. <laughs> Me and Alan are definitely not into like being uh-huh. on mic. Well, no, I, you know, there's a huge difference. Yeah, what I, are you talking about? How can you possibly say that? I remember actually one of the toughest classes I ever took was a summer class. Um, I was in a summer school to think of uh, to make up for some credits, and I dove down the cliff and decided to take a public speaking class. It was required at my school for graduation. It's public it's speaking. Very high school or college. Very difficult. College. I was impressed with how that. difficult it was because being an actor. I figured it would be a walk in the park, and yeah. it wasn't. I had a communication school, so mm. I, I wasn't required to take math or science classes, for instance. But I had to take public speaking. And the same way, I was like, cakewalk. And I I went overboard, and my teacher did not like it because I wasn't challenged by what they were presenting. Hmm. 
So I tried to like give myself a greater challenge. And uh, the teacher was like, "Ah, this wasn't really what I asked for." <laughs> I had we had one thing where we were supposed to we were supposed to do a speech as a, a character. So in essence, like acting, um, but not really like putting it on like you're them. It's more about the context of what you're saying. Hmm. And uh, so I chose Thor. <laughs> and then I decided to tell the story of Ragnarok, which is like the end of the world in, myth- in Norse mythology. And I put on death metal in the background, and I did the lights, and I was just like, Rah! and I had like made this little hammer I was holding the whole time, and I, I, I got like a Dion. <laughs> and, and everyone in the class was like, "Dude, yours was by far the, the best one." You were it was also only- more of a performance than it was a presentation. Well, that was the the, the thing that I got all the points off for the, was the fact that, that Thor wasn't real. Mm. Right, and I was like, "But there's all these people that believe in this religion. This is an accepted religion at a time in history, not now. But <laughs> <laughs> unless there's, I guess maybe you know, death metal bands they believe in it." Cheshire, your insistence on moving to Boston, you're plunging into a new challenge, a new chapter. Do you feel like this is more difficult or easier than when you moved to New York for the first time? Oh gosh, this is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, this is definitely harder than the decision to move to New York. Uh, When I came here, I came here right after college. I knew it's what I wanted to do. I had one really close friend, my friend Linda, who you know. Um, Yeah. Uh, she was here, and so that was a no-brainer. And this, you know, I'm I'm leaving all of these wonderful close friends that I have here. You'll be back. I will. I'll definitely be back. It's New York, man. Bean Town. <laughs> <laughs> the next time you get to New York, or even just via phone, we'd really love to have you back on the show. And uh, thank Aww. you for being. She'll be back. Thank you for insisting on being back on the show. Um, on behalf of Jimmy and I, it is a real pleasure to be able to have you back chatting about your life. It's really, really compelling. Well, thank you. It's, it's such an honor to be here. It's really fun. <laughs> And that's our show. Thank you for listening again, faithful listener or listeners. Thank you, listener or listeners. If there's, again, a group of you huddled around the radio for audio warmth. Audio warmth, (laughs) notwithstanding. It is getting warm out, so we hope you enjoy. Hopeful springtime. If you want to hear that episode that I was referring to with Cheshire, our original episode where the entire tape is um, dissected, you can go to our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash lost and rewound. We are on Audio Boom. Radio Free Brooklyn's got that page up for us, and we're also on iTunes. As well, if you want to actually be on the show, yes, send in your submissions to lostrewound at gmail.com. And again, you can, if you live in, you know, Australia... You know, we can make it work out. You can call up old Skype or, you know, we're, we're, we're put it on the winds and we'll get a special dove and the dove will bring you, you know, you know and we'll make, it, we'll make it happen. We will see you next week, y'all. Thanks for listening. Radio Free Brooklyn. Lost everybody. knight you in the kingdom of Hoth, and you will be a knight, and then every time I say, hello, good sir, I'll mean it.
I just I'm imagining if I would have offered my friends that I feel like they they would have just laughed in my face. 